to the conversation. <laughs> All right. Well, here we are again. Green room conversation. Comics hanging out in the green room. Just our conversation. Uh, across from me is uh, Bill, and who uh, goes by Bull. He just didn't. He doesn't like eyes. There's just something about it. <laughs> he just, uh, he's got, he's, yes. he's, he's all, he's, something happened, something happened early in life, crunch. and uh, the eyes didn't have it. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, the nickname just stuck. It was friends of mine that showed up at Open Mic with me, and they are the ones that told uh, the MC that I was Bull, but... The nickname came from, there was the uh, video game called uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, and there's uh-huh. a character in there who's got kind of a pointy head like mine. His name is Bald Bull. Oh, okay. So that's where the nickname came from. Everybody was calling me Bald Bull, and then my friends just put my name in as Bull for the open mic. And have you had, Did you have other nicknames? I mean, I had a bunch of nicknames. Well, I had three or four yes. going through life. I mean... <laughs> Did, what what were some of your other? Uh, my grandmother called me Bucket Mouth. But what? Yeah, but that's what is that? For, because you just ate all I had the a time? big mouth. Just a big oh, mouth. Oh, just big yeah, mouth. Loud and, I was loud. And I've loud never heard that. Cabron. Bucket yeah. Mouth's hilarious. And that's Mike who's talking right now. Hey. <laughs> and over there is Mike Rivera. Say hi, Mike. Hey, let's. And that's actually how I also, through Punch Out, I got my name through Mike Tyson, and that's how I got Mike Rivera. Thank you. But really? Yeah. Mike Tyson. Y'all have a lot in common. 30 years ago, when he got beaten by Buster Douglas this week. Remember that? Where were you, Les? I was with Where Steve. Where was that 30 years ago? I think Steve Eric, we were doing a, uh, a little coconuts gig or something, like everybody, and we're watching the fight, and we're going, this is good. And Steve's like, we got to go. And I'm like, this is getting good. And he was opening up and said, I'm staying. I'm staying. So I said, you start the show. And it was only like 10 minutes away. And I, and I said, and I watched that fight. Well, if it was 30 years ago, I think I was probably still a coconut because I was a, I was in that group that was coconuts for a couple of years till it all came crashing down. It was you and Galanis, wasn't it? Wasn't Galanis a coconut as well? No, he wasn't a coconuts, but he was. Bob was booking uh, uh, Galanis's room. Uh, there was David Glickman. Had the one in Miami. Uh, Debbie. Oh, God, I'm spacing out Debbie's life. I can't. Debbie, what a wonderful sweetheart. I can't anyway, remember. she had one in Cocoa Beach. Nice room. The, yeah. And then, uh, and then the Fisher Brothers had the Clearwater room, but they ended up, Ron Bennington got so, it was Bennington's room. And, uh, and it was booked through Coconuts, but it, it, Bennington got so famous with his radio show that it was stupid to not call it, name it after him. Yeah. You know, so, uh, and then Bob had his St. Pete room, and I was here in Sarasota, and I don't know, Bob might have had another room somewhere else, maybe Gainesville or something like that, you know, so... There were there was there were five or six of us. Uh, the Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> Winterfell. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, it, it was it, the concept in the beginning was good, but we just we were just uh, uh, Bob and 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 I think the rest of us were just totally different in how we uh, saw the future of what we wanted to do. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Bob likes staying small and quaint. You know, he likes that. That That's that's what so he... small now. And, you know, but, you know, they've been around. He does that well. 
you know, he didn't want a he didn't want a 250, 300 seat. Yeah. He didn't want a fool with he didn't want a fool with agents and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, it just wasn't in his wheelhouse. So we just we just and so you know we all split up because we you know it's, it's hard to keep a group like that together anyway. So like the Eagles or the Beatles, right? <laughs> yes, yes, that's right, that's right. So, the hotel big kitchen. The There's hotel the... big kitchen. Good lord. <laughs> The big kitchen. You know, Debbie's room over in Cocoa Beach. You remember how high up that stage was? Yes. I mean, that son of a bitchin' stage was at least 10 feet off the ground. Oh, my God. You were way up there. And, and the room itself was uh, kind of an oddly shaped room, as I remember. Uh, but it was, uh, uh, but yeah, you were way above the, the audience. And uh, and I don't think it sat more than 200 people at the most. Um, so... We get there, I get there one week, and I don't know who my middle act is, and it's Brett Leak. Whoa. Who has muscular dystrophy. And at the time, Brett was walking then. He was still walking, but not up a staircase, you know, to get up to a 10-foot high platform. I mean, we both got there at the same time in the afternoon, and (laughs) Brett was already there, and it's like, what the fuck? You know, there's no way. What are we going to do? You know, and so uh, Brett having muscular dystrophy, and worked with him so many times before, I knew how frail he was. Like you can't just pick him up. Like you could dislocate his shoulder. Yeah. Just picking him up, you know, even though he's very lightweight. So I asked him. I said, "Okay." He should have been in glass. Do you think could I piggyback you? Like he goes, "Well, let's try it." He goes. You can't grab me real hard, but if you can kind of bend over and I can just lay across your back, you know what I mean? And then, Bill, you are kind of supporting his legs, holding him kind of piggyback, but it, but just going up the stairs, I just had to stay leaned over. But this is happening in front of the audience to yeah. get him up there? Yes, so here's how we did it. <clears throat> so so the, uh, the host would go up, the host did their thing, and then literally Brett got on my back, and I would I would walk I would walk him up the stairs. Nobody knew who the they didn't know I was a headliner. Yeah, the crowd didn't. So I walk him up the stairs, get him at, stand right in front of the microphone. Then I would just stand up, and he would go to his feet. And as soon as he said I'm solid, then I would step away and stick the microphone in front of him, and then I just leave, you know. And then I go back up. And bring him back off the stage, right? Oh my god! And he always had a great set. So literally, I'm I'm carrying. He's him carrying the show during the show. I'm carrying him through the audience, right? And people are shaking his hand and high fiving him, and I'm just pack muling his ass <laughs> to the back of the room. Then I sit him down, and while the while I'm doing that, the host knew to kill time till I got him settled. And then he introduces me. So the audience, this is the first time the audience realizes the pack mule is the headliner. Yeah. You know, so I walked up there and, and I, uh, I said uh, every night I go, so uh, listen, it's great to be here. And Debbie, who owns this place, when she called me and said, you're going to have to carry the show this week, I thought I had to yeah, do more time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And I told Brett back then, I said, if you ever get on the Tonight Show, you have to let me carry you. Yeah. 
to the to the microphone. <laughs> oh, that would be brilliant. Oh, yeah, right. Man. I I would have thought that in that situation, because Steve Eric used to tell me about working with Ollie Joe Prater. Yeah, oh. I used to work with Ollie. Oh. I, I, it seems like well, that would have been. Right. Yeah, it seems like that would have been the situation because they said that you would, he would that have to put Ollie Joe. The Ollie Joe would have to be on stage before the show starts, and they would just put a sheet over. Well, him. that was light in his life. Light in his life, Very yeah. Because he was so heavy. Everybody and... was performing, and then when it was time for Ollie to perform, you just pull the sheet pull off. Pull the sheet off, yeah. He's up there the whole time. Oh, really? Well, he, he had gotten, Ollie was a walking, talking Yosemite Sam. Right. But back when he was in his heyday, he was probably, th- you know, uh, maybe a shy under 400. Oh, my gosh. You know, 350 to four. But, I mean, he was... You know, like he was, he was, I mean, he could move around, right, you know, right. he, he was, and actually he was a tough son of a bitch and, uh, he was a badass. And, um, and, uh, then when, you know, we were talking, I had some people last night come up to me and say, and they said, they said, could you ever get John Panette? And I go, well, if I could, yeah. I'd be a miracle man. I said, he's dead, y'all. And they were like, no way. Yeah. I said, yeah. Wow. They go, oh, we listen to him all the time on yeah. on, on online. Yeah. I said, nah. And we were talking about the fact heavy, heavy comics generally don't make it past 50. Yeah. Yeah. Louis Anderson, I think, has been a real, has been one of the few. Yeah. Uh, because they're already addictive personalities, and then you throw you throw fame and a bunch of money at them. Well, they're just gonna they're just gonna eat and drink themselves to death. Yeah. I mean, that really, and that's what happens in almost every case. Yeah. Uh, and same way with Ollie Joe. They he fi- uh, Vegas. What happened was was that one of the showrooms in Vegas signed him to like a two or two year contract, and they put in, you know, he they put him in a suite to live in, and they're paying him killer money. So here's Ollie Joe, who's already a, a, a almost a bottle of liquor a day alcoholic. Yeah. yeah. And, and he overeats like crazy, and he'll do whatever drug you got coming down the pike. Yeah. And now he's in Vegas with a lot of money. Yeah. And literally, so he can, he can pick up that phone in his suite. And have anything brought to his room, yeah. you know. And I mean, he he blew up. It, it was that you might as well you might as well. Uh, I mean, it, it was slow suicide. I, I can see a lot of comics in that situation because, like, I enjoy having a day job. I'm the kind of guy I like to get up early in the morning. I like to have my day taken care of. I like to be able to go out with my friends in the evening. I like to be able to have that. Yeah, I, I love comics, my day job too. <laughs> yeah, a lot of comics. They're sleeping all day long until they're ready to go perform. And that's why I was told a lot of comics don't like to do the cruise ships because they consider it comedy day job. Because now you have a regiment that you have to follow, and they don't want to do that. They want to be able to sleep. And none of those comics ever get famous. (laughs) They don't. No. Because they have no work ethic. No. You know? Uh, we were actually talking about me and a guy named Norm Stoltz. I don't know if y'all remember oh, Norm. Norm. I know. I just you talked know Norm. to Norm. <laughs> so uh, Norm, when he was here, and Norm's 70 now, and um, when he was here, we were talking about the fact that, you know, we've been so blessed that now we're on, the, I'm 64, he's 70, and we're, we're financially uh, solid. But yep. the reason we are is because we always had two incomes. Yeah, yep. he was a he's a pharmacist, 
you know, and, you know, and having, it's almost like it's, I mean, it's just so hard to, uh, if you don't become a celebrity, if you're just a road comic making road money. I mean, still you could run around and, you know, after taxes and expenses, you could, you could, if you bust your ass and work that 40 something weeks a year, yeah, you can net $70,000 a year, but the discipline to save anything with that kind of money, mm-hmm. very few people have. And then if you happen to get married or have kids, well, yes. fuck that, yeah. <laughs> you know. And then get divorced. <laughs> oh, Then they're done that. You know, so it's just hard. It's just, so having yeah. those two incomes, yeah, is, is a big deal. And, uh, you know, but, but yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you uh, with the Ollie Joe thing, like you said, he's already a, an addict and he's a uh, yeah. big dude and stuff like that. What if he if he were to like somehow get his life into shape and everything like that? You think he would be the same comic? You know, would it would it would it affect his performance or his character in any way if he did like get healthier and stop well, doing? Well, he stole drugs? material like a son of a bitch. Oh, oh well, then there you go. Oh yeah, they said the worst thing you can hear during your set is Ollie yeah. Joe's laugh. Oh, because if you heard his laugh in your set, that yeah. meant that bit wow. was going with Ollie Joe. Damn. And Ollie Joe was a big dude, and he was truly, a, he was like a biker badass. Oh, you know, don't fuck with him. Kind well, of I mean, there were people that, uh, there were people that actually went up to Ollie Joe and go, "You, you're, you stole my bit," and Ollie Joe would go, "Yeah, and <laughs> what are you gonna do?" I mean, do you want to fight? Are you going to shoot me? What? You can't sue me. I mean, what is your next thing? You think I'm just none? I mean, you know, so I mean, that was just, he wasn't a writer. He was a performer. Yeah. And so he just cherry picked. uh, Some stuff was his, Mm -hmm. but he just cherry picked stuff, you know. But I'll tell you what, and Mike, you know, tell me if you... I he made me laugh as, oh my God. as anyone I've ever seen on stage. And and, in and my that's life. the thing, you know. God, he was hilarious. And you know, we talk about this about the comics that can blend that writing and performing. Right. I mean, I see some people, and you've seen it. They might not have jokes, but man, they're likable. They're a performer. They're sure. A natural. Sure. And I'm like, I'm in awe of that. And then the, the flip I'm side of that, you we've seen those acts that are fabulous writers yes but they're not good performers and they don't even really i mean you know i i think a two right off hand tom ryan yes. and uh and uh jim hannah who both can stand on that stage uh, and kick ass jim but they're jim, just they're just jim not you know they don't they don't get up there and light up yeah. you know they just never have you know and, but they're happy yeah absolutely and both of them successfully have written for a lot of people you know Jim yes. was writer for Dennis Miller forever. Yes. And uh, Tom's writes for Larry the Cable Guy, yeah. Ron White, and all kinds of people up in New York. And here's your sign guy, uh, was Brian it? Regan. Yeah. Brian Regan, who writes, writes for Brian. Brian. Yeah. yeah. I, that's where I saw him for the first time. I went and yeah. saw it was, uh, it was out here somewhere. It was uh, Barbara Mann. The Barber Man Center, or something like that. Yeah, that's uh, that, now that's down in Fort Myers. Fort Myers. Here's okay. here's uh, Van Wazel is the performing artist. I got you. I got to go down there with Steve Eric, and I sat front row. And now, see, I've always loved Brian Regan, and uh, I learned to love Tom Ryan that night. But I'm looking around. There's kids in the audience, and I'm and I'm right. saying to Steve, I'm like, there's kids in the audience, and he goes, 
haven't you ever paid attention to Brian Regan? He's clean. I'm like, I just never paid attention. Right. I just mm. laugh at him, you know? Right. I mean, right. and uh, that was, a, but that was the first night I met uh, Tom Ryan. I get to go back and we yeah. drank beer with him and hung out. One of the greatest nights of comedy for me. That was Being cool. able to hang out with them. I remember, you know, back in the old Coconuts days, uh, Brian yes, and Brother was. Dennis, Brian man, Dennis. out of Miami, we used to all run into each other. We were all doing the funky gigs around Florida, you know? And, uh, you know, but those guys were always good. Both of them were good, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, once again, Brian is a better performer than Dennis is. Yes. You know, Dennis is a good writer, and yeah. he opens for Brian a lot. But Brian just has that something yeah. about him. Something about so him, funny. you know, that he's just a great performer. He just he, he just reels you in. He's, he's such a good oh, idiot absolutely. too. Like he plays such a good idiot. Oh yeah, he does. Man, like yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Such a gentleman too. I, I watched the um, there was a um, it wasn't a podcast, but there was a uh, a thing that they had put online. It was with uh, Jerry Seinfeld and him confronting each other about the bit that they both shared. They both did the same bit. Yeah. Of, you know, what would we have to say if nobody had landed on the moon? You know, right. you know, you know, uh, you know right. but they both shared this exact same bit. It was almost identical. Yeah. And it was the two of them together just talking it out. Nobody was fighting. Nobody no. was mad. And it, it clearly showed that they, it was just common thought. Between no, the two that of happens them. all the time. I had a bit. Uh, I had a bit that, that I did when Taylor, my daughter, was young. That's about kids going why why why. Most kids have that stage of their life where they start going why 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 why, and it's annoying. Da da da. Well, then I'm doing it, and then somebody comes up, tells me, and goes, "You're you're doing the same bit Louis C.K. does." Mm. And so at that time, I didn't even know who Louis C.K. was. I didn't either. You know, so I look it up, and sure enough. It's not verbatim, but it's pretty damn close. Yeah. And I know for a fact, Louie's never seen me, and I've never seen Louie. You know yep. what I mean? But you it's remember just common. That. I mean, yep. there's a lot of commonalities. I've, I've had to throw away comedy. material on all three of the Blue Collar Comedy Tours. I had to throw away material on each one of them. And one of them was even a... It wasn't dirty, but Jeff Foxworthy doesn't do dirty material. Mm-hmm. I did, um, I did a bit on... Uh, there was a guy that was on... Um, Unless he's overseas. When he, <laughs> whenever Foxworth is overseas, he's filthy as hell. I didn't know that. No, I'm bullshit. I was going to say. <laughs> I did. That's uh, funny. It was, uh, it was a guy that was on Ripley's Believe It or Not. He lost his penis to cancer. Right. And they, they used his middle finger. They, they removed his middle finger, and they, they made a penis out of it. And I said, you know, Doc, if we need an appendage, I said, I got a left arm I'm not using. Yeah, right. Jeff Foxworthy used that bit verbatim. Oh. Like that. I'm like, when does Jeff Foxworthy go that dirty? <laughs> and he did it on one of the blue collar shows. It's there weird. Yeah. I couldn't even believe it. It's yeah. like parallel thinking, they call it. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Well, that's the reason comedy fucking works. Yeah. I mean, if pop, if we didn't have pop culture, it yeah. wouldn't work. We, would, no. we wouldn't be able to go all over the country and have the same... Uh, uh, information in yeah. all of our heads where all these bits would work. And, and that's the danger. You know, when I started, I used to write current events. I always wanted to be a writer for a TV show. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, someone else said that. And I'm like going, and that's why I would have to write when I was at the Holy City Zoo. I'd bring my notebook and go, here's the newspaper. Here you go. And then, but they'd only, and they'd say, you must have four hours of material. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's just the line's there. Yeah. And it would just... And they, they would just go. You can't do them again after they, like right, 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 right. And, and, yeah, I, yeah. and I stopped really doing that. 
Yeah. That's what I always thought, like, uh, when you do discover, like, or you, you start to stumble on a premise, they were always saying, like, to dig deeper in it. Like, the yeah. first the first joke you come across, most people would probably have thought of that. So I you, taught you that. Yeah, in the last... Yeah, you did, actually. You go, I you taught go, you that. You go I deeper. taught you everything. You did, yeah. <laughs> you, go, you go deeper, though. Well, but it is true. Research. Yeah, that's yeah how exactly. You get, that's yeah. how you get to you, original... You can try to dig deeper into everything, but James Vernon, you, me, you remember yeah, James Vernon? Yeah, I remember Vernon. James. James yeah. told me, um, and I don't know how true it is, but James was my mentor, but he said there's only seven premises in comedy, and everybody's just doing mm-hmm. their version of those seven mm-hmm. ideas. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. know about that. But that James learned that from, from the group, the group. hanging out with the Houston yeah, Comedy Houston Workshop group. group, and they were hard on each other. I mean, they really, you know, I mean, that was, that was uh, Hicks and Shock and... Falkenberry and Brett Butler and you know and they were uh, they were hard on each other they challenged each other yeah. uh, but uh, but you know I mean but yeah there's only so much I mean I can tell you this when I go to a co- when I do these comedy competitions <coughs> and in two or three days I'm gonna see 40 or 50 comedians <laughs> doing five you know to maybe eight minutes I can tell you right now that Seventy-five percent of them, if not eighty, in their first two or three minutes, I could stop them and tell them, yeah, and tell them what they were getting ready to do. You know, it, yeah. it, you you just you can just you go up. Oh, here's a nah, nah, okay, here's one in a thousand, and it's that small group that walk up there and say something right off the bat that makes you go, huh. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where he's going with this, but yeah. that's what I want to hear. What I want to have my mind go is I don't know where they're going with this. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and uh, you know, but I mean, shit. There, I a, I used to run the open mic in Clearwater, and uh, I would put fifteen people in. I would always get fifteen people in. They'd only get so much time, but I always called it the night of. Uh, Fifteen. How's everybody doing tonight? Oh god! Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> every oh, comic's coming. How's everybody doing tonight? Well, the I, first comic already did that. I we tell my know. class, I go, look, they're fine. <laughs> they really are. Yeah. And if they're not, you don't want to know. Yeah. You really don't. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to deal with it. No. <laughs> you know, just say, let's have a good time. Yeah. You. Know, but that's where I go. But what you're doing is, of course, we all know, is that you're cheerleading. Yeah. You're walking up, you're taking a little time to get yourself settled, and you're just doing a little cheerleading, which I think cheerleading's fine when you're the host. Yeah. Right. But when you're an act, get <clears throat> the balls in the air. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Get to the point. You know? I mean, I would rather someone walk right up there and go, basically, the old, a funny thing happened on the way to the theater, mm-hmm. but to walk up there and go, my foot hurts. Yeah, I'd rather that be the first thing out of yeah. my mouth, and now I'm like, okay, you got me. Good, <laughs> what's, what's, what's up with the foot? It's a good hook. <laughs> have so. you have you used not material wise, but are there any of your mannerisms that you use that you took from older comics that you grew up and cut your Jack teeth Benny. on? Jack Benny, man, I tell you, I love being able to take that deadpan, totally deadpan pause to the audience and get a laugh sometimes two or three laughs just off of that uh, you know that that look 
that's just that deadpan Jack Benning look. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, you do that very well. Oh, God, he was he was the best at that. You know, and, one, uh, one of my favorite things, I only do it when I headline. I won't do it for, uh, for when I'm featuring, but when I headline, I always do... Uh, uh, Buddy Hackett's thing because Buddy Hackett yeah. would go out he wouldn't get behind the microphone he'd be in front of the microphone and he would go out and he would shake hands in the front row before he got behind the microphone while the music's playing right. and he would go out and he would shake hands and uh, I'll do that when I'm headlining okay. and then I close with uh, James Vernon's before James Vernon on his deathbed when he pa- was passing away I asked him if I could sign out the way he did mm-hmm. and it was always that was my time and I want to thank you for yours Mm-hmm. So um, I asked James if I could use that before he oh, passed cool. away. So I've, I've used that. Um, That's cool. But I was always a huge Buddy Hackett fan to the oh, point where what I was at um, when I did tonight. Last Comic Standing season two. I get over there to the Improv, and um, I was the seventh person in line. And I'm yeah. just standing there waiting for my time. I can't remember what it was, but they ended up letting a lot of people. There was a lot of people with promised positions. That got to go in before me. Sure, absolutely. So they, they let all these people. Uh, Jim Norton was one of them. Happy Coles was one of them. Sure. A bunch of people went in. A lot of people didn't get their time. They gave me my full three minutes when I got in there. But when I got in there, it was um, it was the, it was only season two. So it was the one where you had the two guys from the Tonight Show that were the judges. I can't uh-huh. remember their names. But I'm on stage, and within that first 30 seconds last... I can't stand still. I'm just moving around on the right. stage too much, and and uh, the the heavier set guy he goes he goes let me let me stop you for a second. He goes, why are you moving around on stage so much? Because they should have cut me like everybody else. They should have cut me. And I told him I says, look, I know for a fact that Buddy Hackett performed on the stage. I says I'm just trying to feel where he's at. And the dude goes. I get it. I get it. Go on. And he gave me my full three minutes. Wow. And Good I answer. know full well that within that time frame, I stepped somewhere that Buddy Hackett had been on that stage. Well, you know, the, 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 what you did was is that you gave him an answer that said, I have purpose with my right. movement. Yeah. Because most people don't nervous. have purpose. Yeah. It's just nervous energy, and they're oh, yeah. just wandering the fuck around. I can't know? do nervous energy. Like, you, you have this class. Uh-huh. And I I don't know. I would do open mic, and as soon as I see a comic sit there play with the mic cord, I gotta walk out of the room because uh-huh. if they're nervous, now I'm nervous for them, and I'm like, <laughs> I can't sit and watch this. I don't know how you do it. It would drive me up a wall. Oh well. Well, it's a cord. It's a cordless mic that helps. <laughs> yeah, it's cordless. And they're, and they're paying. You me. said that about me one time. You were like, I saw your open mic. Uh, the first 30 seconds of it, you couldn't stop fucking with the microphone cord, yeah, so I just walked out. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn. I used to do little things when I would do the, I would I would take the mic, <laughs> and I would always put it outside of the spotlight, and the amount of comics that would go up and just stand outside of the spotlight and perform <laughs> in the dark, I, I would move it in little places every now and then just to see who would stand there, and they would just stand there and perform in the dark. Yeah. Just move it into the spotlight. Be That's a little so bit fun. more comfortable. Oh, man. I can't tell you how many times I've seen a corporate event and seeing uh, you know the a person walks up the person that walks up to introduce the CEO of some huge company right and it's a woman and she's five foot two and so there's where the mic is and out walks the CEO and he's six foot one he walks out and he bends over he bends over puts his hands as he goes into a football crouch (laughs) 
but he won't touch the microphone. It's you know terrifying. What I mean? It's yeah. crazy. It's scared. It's, it's crazy. scared of it. It's scared of it. Oh, Public yeah. speaking is the number one fear in America. That's from what I've been told. That. That's so. crazy to me. Well, one fucking crazy. One small thing that you like you taught in the class, which I really picked up on, because I just I just started seeing it once you once you said it was like just getting there before the, the applause stops. Yes. And saying something before the applause stops. And like, I can't tell you how many times I've seen, I'll be like an open mic or even a showcase where the, the comic, the, the, the applause will die down and the comic's still like messing with the microphone, trying to pull it out of the thing and it's a very awkward silence. And it's just like how it kills their set. Like the the beginning part of it anyway. It's just well, like you weird. know, you're, they're not thinking about, and I wouldn't have thought about it if I hadn't known it over years, but you know, the audience, when they applaud, is is giving you energy. Right. They're they're, they're throwing positive energy in, at you that says we're here, we're excited to see you. Right. Let's go. You know. And so, so you want to be able to take that energy while it's still in the room exactly. and do something with it and throw it back at them. You yeah. know. And when you just let it go flat, it's so weird. It's weird uh, unless you have a right. reason for that, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, if it's purposeful, I've seen that. Too. Yeah, if you're Stephen Wright, right. you want everything there because yes. that's what. But most people don't. No, you know, it's, it's thinking it all through. It's awkward. Know. Yeah, they'll take like ten seconds to say something. You know what I mean? And then, and then guess what they're gonna say. Right. How's everybody doing tonight? <laughs> You're like, fuck. <laughs> so, so what do you want to talk about? Yeah, that's my favorite. Oh my god! And I, I can't tell you the the two things, the three things that I see in contests. One, and and I won't say just see on contests. I'm starting to see it on late night talk shows. Yeah. When someone is on for the first time on the Tonight Show, I'm seeing it, and they totally waste the first minute. To a minute and a half that they're on stage, basically just, well, hey, how's everybody? Ever? I mean, no, I mean it's uh, it's unfathomable to me. Yeah. It, and I and I see it. I see that in contests where they just waste. You don't want to waste a fucking second. You only got five minutes to right. get to the next thing. The other one is when they go to the audience. You're doing five fucking minutes and you're going to go to the audience. Yeah. That's it's, un, it's unbelievably stupid. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, and uh, you could title of your book. <laughs> you're going, yeah, five minutes. You're going to the audience. Oh, God. Well, five minutes and you're going to the audience. Exactly. Not less, but the, the, uh, what is James, that though? Is James that, Vernon had me design, and, and then the, I would go say, and then to actually say, so what do you want to talk about, or what do you yeah. want to do now? And, and like I say, I've seen it in an open mic set. Yeah, and and you go, or in a contest, and you go. Five fucking minutes, and four is all you're really having in speaking time. Because yeah. at least a minute should be laughter. Sure. You know what I mean? Should be. Sure. Four minutes, and you're gonna waste any time at all. You know? Is yeah. you know? It's just like you you haven't prepared. <laughs> I walked up on um, Danny Bevan's buddy. Uh, you know Steve Reynolds? Yes. I walked up on Steve Reynolds one time. We were um, over at Coconuts. And I just happened to walk up and hear him say, he goes, um, Bull has more laughs per minute than most comics that I know in the area. And he was explaining why. I can tell you why. James Vernon prepared me. He said, this is how you prepare your act. You prepare it for TV. 
you know, you have to have so many laughs per minute and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And when uh, I, just like everybody else, when I first started, my notebook was that fat with the act that I have here. It was that fat. James went through and he highlighted everything that I cut out of that act. He said, now do that act with all of that cut out. He cut all the fat out. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the way I write now when I do write. I, that's the way I write now. Yeah. And it's because that's what James Vernon taught me. Well, that, that's, uh, that, that's it. And, you know, that was the, the, you know, back when Carson had the Tonight Show, that really started that because Johnny was so powerful, obviously. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and, and when, when they picked you to go on the Tonight Show, the, 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 uh, the Tonight Show people, uh, uh, talent coordinator, I think his name was Macaulay, but they, they worked with you. Like, they would go watch you. You would do sets leading up to doing the set, you know, at the improv or whatever, and they would sit in the audience, and they would watch your act, and then you would sit down, and they would go cut that, do that, tighten that, move that to here, which you kind of think back on that, and you go, well, you know, they're giving me no freedom. But on the other hand, they're also taking a lot of pressure off of you. They know what works, yeah, and they know what Johnny likes. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And... And Johnny felt like, and Carson, I talked like, like I knew the fucking guy. Uh, Carson felt like this. Let's just say that back then, a minute commercial, minute national commercial on Tonight Show was a half a million dollars. And he's giving you five minutes. So the way he felt was, I'm giving you two and a half million dollars worth With time. of advertising time to promote you. Don't waste it. He wanted, he wanted, my understanding was he wanted four laughs a minute. That is smart. Four laughs a minute. And, yeah. you know, I never so, thought of it that way. Yeah. so, you know, he just was like, look, man, time's money. This, this time I'm giving you is valuable. I can stick a comic, an unknown comic up there, or I can have Kirk Douglas sit here. Right. What would I, what, what's going to do better for me? Putting this unknown comic up there? Or I, that's what I can do. Yeah. So every time he's doing that, he wants you to, Pay off, but now I don't think I don't know that they do that anymore, Mike. I don't think they work with the cops. No, they don't. And uh, well, you know, they is, see him, but they don't really. Because I remember back when I started, man, when you're being scouted by the Tonight Show, you know this is going to change your life. Back then, that was that's yeah. today our Netflix special, right? And very right. beyond the Netflix special. Yeah, and it was like you get it, he sits you, your career is made, right? In that one night, because back then. Uh, and I've heard this is that uh, the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson's ratings. There were more people watching that show than all the talk shows combined ratings today. All of them. Yeah. Every oh, yeah. single one. You know. Oh yeah. And uh, you know, so I mean, I mean, eleven thirty, eleven thirty on a weekday night. And the only three thing channels, on... and there's nothing on the other ones except an old yeah. fucking movie. You know. He had everybody. Everybody was up at eleven thirty, <clears throat> was watching the fucking Tonight Show. Yeah, yeah. So it did. It did. It was so powerful. I, I have loved comedy so much my entire life that you know when people were performing on the Tonight Show, I'm automatically trying to see Johnny because I'm sitting there thinking, how amazing is that for you? Not only to be performing there, but some of the comics that would just make Johnny lose it. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. I, to watch like Johnny back hat. there laughing. Oh yeah. 
to, to watch Johnny back there laughing while Foster Brooks is up there, just oh, yeah. I, I was crying with laughter. Like, oh, yeah. how amazing would that feel to know that Johnny Carson is laughing at what you're doing? Have you, have any of you ever gotten to perform with a celebrity in the audience that you really like was a wow factor? Just to meet that celebrity, just that they're watching you. And, and make them laugh. Dickie Smothers. I mean, that's Dick here. That's huge. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. really huge for me because yeah. that was Robin. that was my oh, job. Who for you? Yeah, Robin. Robin Williams. Yeah, we're yeah. in the back room there, and uh, you're waiting to go on, and he, and he look over, and he just gives you a nod. He doesn't say nothing to you. He just gives you a nod, but you know he's going to go up. And by the way, you want to go before him, not after him. Right. Because I had to do that, and that was the greatest death of all time. Because <laughs> <laughs> picture last night at the open mic. Well, guess who's going to pop in? unexpectedly and do an hour yeah right. and that place is gonna go nuts right. and then of course you know how comics are yeah. like can you do stuff just after him and, and he just go and now the comedy of Mike Rivera <laughs> oh it was just it was horrible right, right. but I just remember you know going up once in the zoo and it's you know there's like 50 sure. people hole in the wall and uh, he just he just gave gave me a nod I'm like holy shit nice Ron Williams just gave me a fucking nod man I how got to it's up there that? I got to perform I mean, uh, that, twice I mean, yeah. for Jack Nicholas. And, really? Yeah, and I mean, right in the front, and he's not a gratuitous laugher, you know. I never got to meet Arnold Palmer, but everybody I know that did said he was the exact opposite. He he wanted you to feel good, you know what I mean? Jack's all business, you know, and he's just not a gratuitous laugher. If you make him laugh, you make him laugh. But by God, if you make him laugh, you made that guy laugh. Oh, yeah. And it took me a few minutes to get him to crack. I mean, at first he was nothing. He just staring at you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's great when that happens, man. That's there's, cool. I'm glad you got Dick here. Oh yeah, that was that was uh, that was really something for me, and it scared me when I saw him in the audience. See, because I knew that he had been here a few times. Yeah. I had no thought that somebody from that era, or somebody that, because I grew up watching. Like Red Skelton, the Smothers Brothers, I, all those shows with my dad. Well, Dick and Tommy did their last performance here. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. As the oh, three of us great. on stage, and that yeah. was the greatest thing ever. Tonight. Did. Oh, that was awesome. That was awesome. All right, guys. Thank you. Less is going up. So, tonight, keep it to 20. 20, okay. You know, and then, you know, you can do if you want to, but I'd say keep it to 45 because we're going to do a little interview at the end. Okay. You know. Going up. Yeah, I, uh, I was doing the World Series of Comedy, and uh, it's in, uh, it's all over. They do a bunch of different satellites, but I did the one here, and Dickie was like one of the judges, and he got to see me. But like, he came up to me, he was like, "Didn't you work at the door?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he goes, "Interesting." And then he just walked away. <laughs> there was nice. no like, it was so. I filled out stuff for that, but they keep sending me stuff and satellites and stuff. I have no idea if I'm part of it. Really? They said I don't have to pay right away, but he keeps sending me stuff, but I have no idea whoever this uh, low guy is. Joe Lowers? Joe Lowers, yeah, yeah that's yeah. what it is. So um, I have no idea if I'm part of it or not. It's a, it's weird. Like You get like on their email chain or whatever, yeah. and they just keep sending you stuff all year. Um, okay. But did you sign up for like a specific satellite or anything like that? Um, I only put here. Oh, okay. Because uh, I think this is the only place locally that has yeah, it. I think so. Yeah, it's like I think there might be something in Miami. 
But yeah, it's usually like West Coast, a little bit on the East Coast. Yeah. And then I'm I'm really big on uh, James Vernon used to tell me uh, never pay for somebody to see your art. So yeah. I I'm, I'm I haven't really been really big on paying to be part of in a festival uh, contests or because yeah. I, I don't really believe in them. I've been in several contests where the owners themselves have come up and said, "Look, materially, material-wise, you've clearly won this thing, but they brought more people, so yes. they got the votes." And yeah. I, I, I don't trust that anymore. I no. don't trust that. That's why I don't believe in like the smaller contests, you know. Yeah. But uh, if it's got like, you know, if it's like a legitimate festival or something like that, like I know. Uh, is it Atlanta? They have like the Laughing Skull Festival. Uh, Laughing Skull, yeah. And I heard that one's pretty good. Like, like clearly the winner wins that, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the smaller ones, I don't know. I wouldn't mind going and doing that one then. There's a lot of that. Atlanta's not too far off to to go down and do something like that. And I, I got to... family in the area, so I got places oh, to stay. Perfect. I heard it's a it's a good scene over there. From what I understand, it's a big yeah. city, obviously. God, I I really wish. Um, after side splitters closed down in uh, Tennessee, and knowing that Les is from Tennessee, I'm like, oh, it'd be amazing if Les would reopen that room in Tennessee. Because from what I understand, it did good. That room fell apart from the inside. It was an internal oh, really? falling apart of that particular uh, room. Shady stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, I don't know what happened, but uh, it was a something something with the staff apparently happened. I don't know. Yeah, but um, that's weird. I don't want to speak out of turn. It's the room's always been good to me. When did it close down? <clears throat> I, uh, it closed down uh, like a couple years ago. Okay. And um, they actually were going to finally book me for it because I'm from Tennessee. Right. So I was prepping to go, and then it closed down. And Damn. I had family there. I got friends and family that were going to come and see me. And finally, I was going to have family come see me. Uh, and I lost it all. That so, sucks. Yeah, I really wanted that one. It's called Side Splitters? Side Splitters. Does that have anything to do with Tampa? Tampa. Mm-hmm. Really? Same yeah. ownership or yep. something? Wow. Bobby Jewell owned it at Bobby the time. Jewell, right yeah. now, uh, BT BT owns uh, yeah, Side, Side Splitters now, from what I understand. I heard it's really good now. That's what everybody's saying. It's yeah. really good. He's a fair owner. You know? Yeah. I've heard... Uh, I, I never met Bobby Jewell, but I heard some stories. You know? Yeah, there's some dark stories about him, but he's always been really good to me, too. So I, I haven't had the problems with a lot of other people had with him, but which says something sometimes. Yeah, because sometimes people are dicks to other people that are dickheads. You know what I mean? Like, oh sure, it's weird how that works. Oh sure, yeah. he you know he he did nothing but he was uh, he was good to me. He gave me advice. He told me always work clean. He says you know he goes I go in and watch you perform. He goes you're performing clean. He goes keep doing that. He said that'll yeah. take you far. I've been doing that for a long time though. It's really. I, I lost all my uh, delusions of grandeur. You know, I used to, I was in two movies. I've done commercials. I've done, you know, I've done things. And I, to the point now, like, yeah, I'm just as happy performing at a club somewhere. I, yeah. I know. I'm not looking to go any further than that anymore. Well, that's what a tell, uh, David Tell set out to be. He was like, I just want to be a club comic. Yeah. And anything past that is just extra. Yeah. So, and he's just as happy as a clam, just doing whatever. I think we were trying to get him here. It was like one of the funniest responses I ever heard where he's like, like the, the his manager or agent got back to us and was like, uh, David Tell doesn't play Florida. <laughs> like at all. Just doesn't, doesn't do Florida. Like I just thought it was the funniest thing I ever heard. I think he's David Tell. He doesn't feel like he needs to maybe. Yes. But I just thought it was funny. It was like, you don't play Florida. Like that's just a hilarious concept to me. 
Well, that's odd. Yeah, like he just doesn't like Florida. That's know. odd. Like when he was doing that Insomniac show, I always thought, man, it'd be amazing if he did Ebor City. You know, you would be great. Like, yeah, so much material that you could gather. I think the furthest he goes is like Louisiana, stuff like that. But oh, really? Doesn't fuck with Florida. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. I love Vatel. He's I love Vatel. He's amazing. Yeah, he's super smart, super funny. The problem is I can't watch him because. I'll do. I'll get that in. I'll get his internal voice. Oh, so and like, next yeah. thing you know, I'm like talking like him and shit. I'm like, what is happening? He's got such like an intoxicating voice where you're like, fuck. I don't know. Do you know? Uh, do you know a comic named uh, Laszlo? Steve Laszlo. I do know Steve Laszlo. Yeah. So me and Steve Laszlo were doing a room one night, and um, both of us were in our hotel rooms mm-hmm. separately, and apparently we were both watching the same thing. <laughs> we were both watching Jim Gaffigan. Oh, no. That night when we were on stage, we both caught the other one doing the Jim Gaffigan whisper after we would do something. <laughs> I can't believe he's doing that. You know? We were both doing the Gaffigan whisper. Oh, man. It's subconscious, too. Yeah. Like you don't even oh, yeah. realize it. Oh. What do they call that? Cryptonesia. When you're using somebody else's material and you don't realize you're doing it. Yeah. It's usually in the moment, like you can't. Yeah. Like especially like those impromptu moments where you say something like that doesn't sound like me. Yeah, that's not me at all. That yeah. that was. Guy, there was one night I was on stage and I said that sounded like Mike McCarthy coming out of me. What was that? <laughs> Mike. Like, where did I get a Boston accent all of a sudden? Yeah, Mike cracks me up. I love Mike. I was uh, at a club one night performing, ready to perform. I was featuring for Mike, and. Um, Mike was running really late. Mike tells a story to people. It's so funny to hear him tell it. So Mike's running late for the show, and uh, my back was turned towards the front door. And I said, listen, I know everything about Mike's act. Mm -hmm. I said, I'll do Mike's act, then I'll go do my act. (laughs) So I I can do both of them. So I'm out in the hallway, and I'm doing Mike's act. I'm doing the the gorilla, the the whole thing. And then I hear like a drop behind me I turn around and Mike standing behind me drops his duffel bag he goes he goes kid that's spooky <laughs> because I just saw myself man he's always in a good mood for... I've never seen him in a bad mood yeah, even when he's in a bad mood he's in a great mood he's such it's a weird yeah. I saw him when the Patriots were losing and oh, I was like oh that's the oh no and he was still like ah motherfucker and then you'd be like real happy when he was talking to you yeah. though. it was really cool I thought He's got a buddy. I can't remember what his buddy's name is, but um, if I think it was Pat. No, I can't remember. But um, yeah, if you were around him, another Irish guy. I think so. But yeah. if you were around him when the Pats were losing, that someone's getting stabbed. Yes, that dude was severe. Yeah, I stay Pats away. Fan. Oh my god. Stay gosh. away. Yeah, those guys don't fuck around. I get it though. It's like Pats are the you socks. Gotta, you got to be really proud of that team though. Like, five, what is it? Six Super Bowls now or something like that. You know, like, at the, some point, you're just being greedy. It's like, you guys deserve <laughs> one bad season. Like, come on. The fuck out of here. Like, give the Dolphins a chance. Like, I don't even know. We deflated your ball to mess you guys up, and you just did better. You just did better. Yeah, I don't know. That's so funny. I'm trying to listen to Les out there. I don't want to miss my shot. Yeah. You can open the door. Oh, I guess it's kind of cracked. Are you one of those guys that you like, you like to watch the show? Um, a little bit like, to see no. where like the audience is or anything like that. No, I used to watch comedy a lot years yeah. ago, but now I don't because I don't want to see that there's a uh, an idea that may be close to mine or something like that. Right. I want mine to be just you know I just I just want it to be genuine you know yeah. and 
if uh, if I find out later that I'm doing something similar to somebody, I alter it at that time. You know. Right. I had, I had some guy tell me, what was it? I was in uh, Melbourne, I think. Cocoa Beach. Cocoa Beach. And somebody shouted out in the audience that I was stealing from Larry the Cable Guy. And I said, I said, I'm, I'm taking nothing from Larry the Cable Guy. No, you, one of your bits is a scene from a movie, well, from one of his movies. I said, what are you talking about? He said, health inspector, he's, he's pissing in the shower. I said, because I do a bit about peeing in the shower? Oh, I'm stealing, idiot. Yeah, the guy idiot. He was a complete idiot. Yeah, dumb. So, you know... I try to avoid that kind of stuff. It's funny, know? my uh, one of my buddies, Cam Bertram. I don't know if you know Cam Bertram. I know Cam. Yeah, he uh, he did like he he did his dry bar special, and there's a point in it where he does this thing where he's like, I just want to say thank you guys. You know, without without you guys, I don't have a job. And he did like something like that. You know, similar thing. It wasn't even a bit, but like Chris Rock says something similar to that, and people were like, Yo, you're ripping off Chris Rock. Shit, like, you can't but thank an audience. Saying, yeah, like pe- people fuck? have been saying that about Cam for the longest time. It's his cadence and yes. the way that he carries himself. People say he sounds like Chris Rock, and I get yeah. it. But that's, he's not you know, doing it's, Chris he's Rock. Not, yeah, he's he, no, he's not. But it's just like, but but they were like targeting that one specific thing about how like you thank the audience and stuff like that, and it's yeah. like you can't. You, that's not stealing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's that's not even unless you like verbatimly said the exact same words on that kind of an idea. Like that's not even a joke or a premise. He's just genuinely saying. Thank you guys for coming out. Like, without you guys, I don't have a job kind of thing. It's like, I don't know. Like, they're just nitpicking at that point. There was uh, one comedian here local. I can't remember his name. I can't remember his name. Uh, but here? I was there. Yeah, he's, he's local around here. Um, and I should know him because he's, um, he's a friend of my brother-in-law's. But he, um, he went on stage for his very first night. He came up and he saw me perform. And then he was going to go up on stage. He says, I've always dreamed about doing this. He goes, I'd really like you to watch me. Yeah. So I watched him. It was over side splitters. He was doing the open mic over side splitters. Yeah. And he come up to me afterwards. He goes, so what did you think? I said, I think you watch a lot of Brian Regan. He goes, goes, that's my favorite comic. I said, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know it is. I know. You were channeling him up there. Yeah, you were. (laughs) It's so funny. It's weird. Like, uh, I was thinking about it. There's no, like, cover comics. Which is a good thing, I think. But there's no like there's cover bands. Mason Hill, Mason Hill, you Mason, know Mason Hill. Hill. It sounds familiar. Yeah, he's he's part of uh, the, the other kid with a uh, crap comedy. C R A P. Vinnie Ward. Vinnie Ward. Mason yeah. Hill. I do know. I do know. I remember yeah, Mason. Funny as Hill. He yes. Looks exactly like young Jerry Seinfeld, but he yes. sounds exactly like young Ray Romano. Yes. Wah, yes. Wah. Yeah. Yeah. You know, get that. Get that sound. Oh, yeah, that nasally. Yes. Sort of. Yes, I do know what you're talking about. Vinny Ward, yeah. Vinny actually gave me my first ever guest spot. Did he really? At his little, like, uh, uh, what does he call it? A hookah, hookah lounge or something like mm-hmm. that? Man, that's, that's a weird... The hookah lounge crowd is, like, just a bunch of burnout stoners, like, he, f- he, falling in and out of sleep. He booked me one time for the crap comedy, and I haven't been booked back with him, but I, it wasn't my fault. He, he booked me at some place downtown Tampa, right. and it was a... Uh, it was a... It was a... Uh, uh, Puerto Rican bar, I think. Like nobody spoke English. Nobody's laughing. Right. It's just it was. It's awkward. Yeah. Does he have water in these refrigerators? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. There's also a water tank around the corner. I don't know if there's anything in the refrigerator though. First time I worked this room. Um, Les went out there. 
So immediately I come up here and I stood right here, getting ready to just go up. And I can't remember, somebody that was working here came up and said, uh, he goes, uh, you haven't worked here before, have you? And I said, no, this is my first time. He goes, yeah, well, this is going to be there for a while. Yeah, he has it. He's doing a tight 45. It's all good. Here, if you want, you just grab that microphone. Just, just sit up with it. Yeah, I felt, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I felt the same way that when I got my first guest spot. I was yeah. like, when, all right, all right, yeah, 20, 20 minutes, all right, let's see. <laughs> and then when it happened, he was on vacation. So he came back and hadn't been on stage for like three weeks. So he was like, he did like 45 minutes almost. Yeah. And I was like, damn. I, I remember you doing uh, the open mic. I think it was the weekend I was here with um, Eric Meyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were doing open mic. Um, was I hosting it or was I just I think fine? you were hosting it. Okay. And both me and Eric Meyer were laughing at your material. I, I knew that you would stick it out. Yeah. I, I go to a lot of open mics and I'm, I see people I'm like... They're not gonna. They're not gonna go much further. Right, I, can, right. I, I can just tell if somebody's got it in their heart, or if somebody's. I had one guy one time. Uh, he said, um, "I asked him what his interest in comedy was. He said he just didn't want to be a carpenter anymore. Like that's that's your motivation is to not work. That exactly. You really need to be working. I hate when people say that. Yeah, they think that it's yeah. I don't want a real job. Oh well, don't do stand-up comedy then. Like like you said though, like like some of those guys, they don't, they just want to sleep until the show. Mm-hmm. I find that when you have those lethargic days, you're not, your performance isn't there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like when I'm when I'm up and at them and like walking around and doing things, even if it's small errands and shit before the show, I feel like way more uh, articulate and oh, yeah. focused. Honestly. I remember one time, um, I performed at a club and I can't remember where it was. It was, it was out of Florida, but I remember I barely spoke. I barely spoke. From Florida, I went, you know, I stopped and got gas, went in to buy some stuff, and then I realized when I got on stage, that was the first time that I had heard myself speak in like 24 hours. Oh, wow. It's like I hadn't said anything. Holy shit. I mean, it, was, it was like really weird. That is weird. Like yeah, you're not warm up at all. I didn't talk to anybody on the phone or nothing. Yeah. It, was just, it, was, it was odd. Yeah, I don't like that, like the isolationism that you get. I'd rather just like talk to people. I guess we warmed up pretty well. Yeah. Rock and roll, killer session. I finish. I roll over. Ten away. Damn, that was a hot crowd. I think we had like three forty on the books. So like, there's obviously not three hundred forty people in the room, but probably like two eighty or something like that. Really? Yeah, I think so. Because they, they almost wanted me to cancel the podcast so I could do the floor. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> well, this podcast is a really cool idea. Yeah, like, I think some people are a little, like, confused by it sometimes. But, uh, especially, like, the comments that really need to get in their head like, really focus. But sometimes like, I feel like it helps on the comics because like, like we were talking about, like, it gets you talking, gets you warmed up, gets you your mind reeling a little bit. So. Yeah. 